three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter. And, oh my god, it is one of my favorite reviews of the whole year. Finally, after re-watching some stuff, going through my list no less than 30 times, I finally, finally have my best of 2020 list done. So that is going to be the review we're doing here. And I just have to say, while this was probably, for most of us, one of the worst, if not the worst year we've had, um, if there is a positive, there, while not distributed in the way that we obviously would have wanted, there was some incredible film this year. So my uh, parameters as far as what, is going to qualify for my list is going to go as follows. Basically, if it has a chance uh, to be nominated for an Oscar, uh, it, it's eligible for my list. And that might be the rule moving forward because Lord knows how distribution for films is going to be this year. So we'll see what, you know, 2022 Oscars look like, but that's the rule for this list. So anything that could potentially get an Oscar nomination in we really know what could potentially be up because of Golden Globes as well. So, uh, yeah, so that's how I'm running my list this year. So, pardon me. So, I'm going to go through my 10 through 6, then my 5 through 2, and then, of course, my number 1. So, before we get to my list proper, I want to throw out a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Bad Boys for Life. I fucking love that movie. That movie is... So much fun. It's the best of the three. It's the most emotional. It has the best acting. It honestly has probably the best action as well, too. It's a tight script. Uh, You feel the consequences in it. It's the best performance that Will Smith or Martin Lawrence have given in uh, out of the three films. And it sets up some very intriguing pieces moving forward. So absolutely love Bad Boys for Life. Just could not find a spot for it. Uh, on my list, uh, a French story, uh, which stars uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. She did a great job in that movie, and unfortunately, I think it'll be one of those things that more people discover, you know, a year or two from now. Because again, there's just this almost avalanche of stuff that felt like every critic had to watch this year. Um, not alone, you know, general audiences. I think general audiences will discover it, you know, hopefully on Hulu or Netflix. In the next six months when it's hopefully on there. It's a movie that's well worth your time. It is very much an art house film. But something that I think more people should see. Uh, Nomenland uh, with uh, Francis McDormand. It's a movie I tried to watch like three or four times before I could actually uh, get through it. Which, you know, not is not always the best thing. But I found myself being in the right headspace to watch it. It really is one of those... As I just mentioned about uh, a French story, it really is a, it really is an art house film. And so, if 
you come back to me and say, oh, I didn't like it. That's fine. I, I, I would get why some people just wouldn't be a fan of this type of film. But it's something that I really enjoyed. It's just off the cinematography alone. It's worth watching. It's one of the most beautiful films I've seen uh, easily in 2020. And uh, last one I will throw out here. <laughs> I'll throw out two more. Uh, Song the Hedgehog. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, it's such a surprisingly good film. And as a huge Sega Genesis nerd from back in the day, uh, still <laughs> to this day, considering where that character design was and where it ended up, thank God they actually listened to the fans on that. But a movie that moves like Sonic very fast, but in a good way, the fact that uh, James uh, James Marsden and uh, Ben Schwartz have such great chemistry, I really love their chemistry. And Jim Carrey, that's the closest we'll probably ever get to 90s Jim Carrey again as a Dr. Robotnik. He did a great job as the villain. Uh, I, I thought he was excellent and just enough of a prick <laughs> uh, for it being a kid's film. And some surprisingly dark jokes in there uh, about you know animal testing and stuff like that. But a movie that I think works better than most people ever thought it could have. But something that I own myself and something that I absolutely enjoy the hell out of. And the last film I'm going to bring up is The Father. Uh, the Father is one of the best movies I'll probably never watch again. Uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, make no mistake about it, he's going to be on his way to another Oscar nomination. This will be back-to-back -back years for him because after the two popes last year, he's going to get another nomination here. And Sir Anthony Hopkins is just a masterclass in this. I can see Olivia Coleman getting a... Uh, Best Supporting Actress uh, nomination here. She's incredible uh, in, in this film as well. And the way they play off each other and work off each other is it, it feels like you're just watching two people at the top of their game uh, showing off, but yet elevating what's already great material and just seeing the decline and just how things kind of go down. It's it's such a well done film. And I wish I could have found a spot for it on my list, but unfortunately, I could not. So, I will be the first to admit, as we start off with my number 10, I totally cheated because I have a tie for my number 10 because I needed both these films to be on my list. It was one of those things I sat back and I went, you know what, I, I can't, uh, I, I, I cannot, oh, and I'm sorry, I will mention one last honorable mention, uh, The Five Bloods. I know that I'll surprise some people because of my love for Spike Lee and how much I raved about it in my review. But after really sitting back, there were just a couple other films that just hit me in a different spot. Again, that film, if I had a top 12, it would easily be my top 12. But I just I couldn't find a spot for it. I, I, I had to knock it off my list. So it hurt me to do it. But here we are. So. Uh, back to my uh, tie for number 10. Uh, I've got two, as I just mentioned. Uh, Sound of Metal and Yes, God, Yes. Two movies that could not be any more <laughs> different from each other. Uh, Sound of Metal, Riz Ahmed, of course, uh, stars in that. And Yes, God, Yes, uh, not, uh, Nadia, uh, Nadia Dyer uh, from, of course, Stranger Things uh, stars in that. Riz Ahmed is one of those people who's just been so great for a good amount of time, and this movie is really starting to
to allow people to see how great of an actor he is. Uh, you know, I, I think of Night, him in Nightcrawler, and I think of him in Venom. And while Venom, you know, not the most thoroughly thought out script as far as the villain, he is able to go ahead and bring enough of himself to that material that the material, like, it, he does elevate the material. And Sound of Metal, for him to get this platform to play someone who's uh, who's deaf and to go ahead and just bring the gravity to that situation that he does while still feeling like, like a true musician who is just feeling like they're they've lost their gift. It's such a beautifully tragic story and yet hopeful in ways that I really didn't expect it to be. And I, I have to give his performance and the script, obviously, so much credit on that. Uh, yes, God, yes is something that I unfortunately don't think enough people have seen. Uh, last I checked, it's still on Netflix. And for people who love Stranger Things, you know, myself included, while it's great to see uh, Natalia uh, as a, you know, as Nancy Wheeler, to see her play this character in Alice, this character who's so uns unsure of herself, who feels broken by the circumstances around her and you know the 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 christian religion honestly and how i mean christianity is kind of hard on guys sometimes but it's really hard on women i mean let's be clear as someone who's grown up who grew up in church and went to several different types of churches the way that churches slut shame women itself you know, you can't have one be the head of a congregation. You know, you have to dress a certain way because we can't tempt the men, even though the men could, you know, just not look at women in that way. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But the way that the movie does play out, it has one of the best subtle just acknowledgments of someone being terrible. It's such a great own scene near the end of the movie. And that's all I'm going to say. But that scene alone got this movie onto my list, N not even going past the fact that the performance that she gives is so fucking well done. You just hurt for her as she's trying to go ahead and just not even find confidence, but just find a way to just not let the guilt of what this religion can be just drown her. And it's such a beautifully tragic movie at points because you just feel her anguish especially being a teenager you're trying to figure all this shit out but where things end up and really the message at the end of the day that the film portrays i thought was so well done and i have genuine admiration for that film so if you've not seen sound of metal or yes god yes they are on amazon prime video and netflix respectfully Please go watch those because we need more films like that. So there's number 10. Number nine is a movie that came out really, I want to say pretty early on in the in the year. But my God, it's a movie that should be celebrated, celebrated, celebrated. It came out in uh, April of last year. Uh, it's the Netflix documentary, A Secret Love. That's my number nine. That's the one that stars uh, Pat Herschel and Terry Donahue where they are these two women who have been dating in secret, uh, but haven't told either of their families. They've been together for 70 years. And I don't want to go too much into the film itself, but 
uh, you can listen to my review of it if you want to learn more. But the way that they that their story is told and just the way it weaves in certain social issues and talks about the LGBTQ uh, community, you know, back in the 50s, back in the 60s, where it was very uh, wasn't nearly as uh, prominent as it is now and how you had really had to hide who you were uh, back then. It, it's it's so tragic, but their love, their secret love is so incredibly beautiful and in the way that they're able to express their love to their families and the things that do occur. I just thought it was so beautifully told. And there were multiple points where I was just crying my eyes out. I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. I, 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 I'm I, not a huge fan of documentaries. Just be well, not over the last year, because Lord knows it's been, you know, a documentary just trying to get through each day. But this film is what you want a documentary to be. It's something that's informative. It's something that that elevates. It's something that inspires. And it's something you can tell people, watch this. And I've told as many, I've told a lot of my friends who have not known about this or this wasn't on the radar to please watch this because this is, it is an incredibly well done documentary and something that should be required viewing, especially we're in Women's History Month. Watch this shit if you haven't watched it yet. But that's my number nine. Number eight, if you've listened to the podcast for a decent amount of time, you know I'm a huge fan of the man I'm about to bring up. And when I think about how it used this actress in a way that I just go, you had her on a TV show and you didn't have, you couldn't find a way to go ahead and make, like make her work better. It's, it's rather embarrassing, but my God, this movie's great. It's uh it's Palm Springs. It's number eight. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Andy Samberg. I love the lonely Island. I've made no qualms about the fact they are one of my favorite bands and music i'm a huge brooklyn 99 fan i just think andy sandberg is the absolute shit but the real star of this movie that i don't do not think is being brought up nearly enough is uh kristen Milotti. after seeing her in that season of fargo i remember going okay you're you're genuinely excellent and you know, of course, the last season of How I Met Your Mother, she's the best part about it, which is kind of a backhanded compliment, but she's so great on that show. But her and Andy Samberg have this chemistry that even if the film, the script wasn't as good as it is, they would be able to go ahead and pull something out of it to make you enjoy this film. But their their romance and their their back and forth, it's it's so incredibly charming and while they're both trying to figure out this time loop, it is so it's it's really cool to see how they not only get to know each other, but get to know themselves better because of how they're living their lives and the way that they think that, you know, they can't live their lives. It's really interesting the way the film breaks down. Plus, let's be honest, and this is this isn't even really a spoiler, but I'm gonna say it, whatever. Who wouldn't want to do Coke with uh, a bunch of Coke with J.K. Simmons? After watching this movie, while I haven't done it before, I would love to do Coke with J.K. Simmons. That would be great if this movie is any sort of indication. But I absolutely love this movie. There, It's right at the 90-minute mark. It's uh, on Hulu if you haven't seen it. It's well worth your time. But it is just 
beautiful in the way that it is portrayed in the way that everyone really steps up to bring uh, their A game. So absolutely adore that movie. That's my number eight. Uh, number seven is something that my partner has been a big fan of, something that I personally had not seen. I had heard a song or two from it, but I never really understood the giant, you know, the hoopla that it got. Uh, I understand it now. My number seven is Hamilton. I don't need to really say much about Hamilton. You you all know what Hamilton is. Um, whether it's just the King George song, the you'll be back. I, I, I love that song so much. King jo The fact that I'm cheering on King George, even though he was insane. I mean, you know, I think that says a lot. It's a, it's a incredibly well done musical. Uh, the song that introduces George Washington, that alone was a surprise to me, but I sat, I sat with my partner, um, back when COVID wasn't a thing, my partner and I sat here and we watched it together and I was just, I was hyped the whole time watching this, uh, watching the, uh, watching the musical and a lot of the songs have definitely made their way into my regular rotation now. Uh, obviously my shot is the song it is it's, it's such a great song but the song i've been listening to the most probably is wrote my way out from the hamilton mixtape just because you know it's lin-manuel miranda rapping with nas who wouldn't want that but lin-manuel miranda he he's an absolute genius the fact that he wrote that play and i love the fact they highlight the players the people who don't have uh you know main characters in there but uh, the ensemble, pardon me, but that musical works so well on Disney Plus. Really, just it's worth having Disney Plus just to watch Hamilton if you haven't seen it before. So, I would highly, highly, actually, not even recommend. You need to watch Hamilton if you haven't watched Hamilton. Go watch Hamilton. It's on Disney Plus. Watch that shit. So that's my number seven. My number six. I just so. We talk about character uh, characters or just actors who we believe we believe deserve better. And Stephen Yuen from uh, The Walking Dead, he I just love this dude. I, I like just off of the way he got killed on Walking Dead, he deserves better. But uh, he was in uh, he was in uh, Okja, that Netflix film from a couple years ago, which I really liked him in. But here he gets really what I think will be a career defining role as Jacob. The way that him and uh, and uh, his uh, his wife, uh, his wife is played by, I, be I believe it's Yuri Han. The way they the way they work off each other, there is just this. <sighs> there is just this beauty in the way that they work off each other. And this movie has this incredible ability of being able to rip your heart out, but then almost pat it and go, things will be okay, but maybe they won't be. It, it's such a incredibly beautiful, heartbreaking, inspirational film that kept making me go, oh, stop hurting me, stop hurting me. Oh, you're giving me happiness. Oh, you hurt me again. Oh, you're, but happiness, like it, it, it pulls on your heartstrings in a way that I don't know if many films have been able to touch this year. It's just really from start to finish. It's something that grabbed me. It's something that I felt 
my God, I, I, I can't believe that this movie is as great as it is. Um, for being over two hours, it never feels like that. It always feels like it's earning. Uh, sorry, it's actually just right at two hours. It's an hour 55. But it never feels like it's dragging. It always feels like it has your attention. Um, the score is one of my favorite scores all year. And uh, Lee Isaac Chung should get a Best Director uh, as well as a Best Original Screenplay nomination because this is one of the best films that came out all this year and i just have genuine admiration for everyone uh everyone involved um and especially having those the, the two kid actors be uh as important as they are uh alan s kim and then uh who played david and then noelle cho they are really kind of unsung heroes in the movie but Everyone needs to keep an eye on these kids because they're going to be something. But they did an incredible job, and everyone really brought it in that movie, especially Will Patton, who, which was a really pleasant surprise to see him. But absolutely adored the movie. That would be my number six. So, quick rundown. Tied for my number 10, Sound of Metal and Yes, God, Yes. My number nine is Secret Love. My number eight is Palm Springs. My number seven is Hamilton. And my number six is Minari. All right, on to my number five. Um, uh, this one, this one hurts because I'm gonna try not to cry. But my king, my king, my king, Shadowbook Bozeman. Uh, my number five is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which stars him, Viola Davis. When I think about films that. I really put off from watching this was one of them because I just I know we get Chadwick Boseman's voice in uh, Marvel's uh, what, if, or what if but this is really his last you know really his last uh, performance in front of the camera and while I love Black Panther while I dug him in 21 Bridges and the Five Bloods this is really his toward the force this is him reaching down and pulling out something that I didn't even know Shadowick had. And Shadowick, for my money, was one of the best actors on the planet, top five easily anyway. But then you find out there's another level he was able to tap into. You just go, holy crap, really? It's the, I don't want to spoil the film because I have not reviewed the film uh, yet, but the scene that he talks about his upbringing and growing up black and his parents is one of the most heartbreaking but beautifully shot scenes I've seen in a film all year. It's just this this beautiful little five, ten minute-ish scene where it's all Chadwick just really gaining the strut his strut of stuff. And again, we talk about 42, we talk about Marshall, but you know, T'Challa, obviously, but you see him in this and you see the grace and the gravitas and the incredible spectrum of emotions that he's able to show through this film and through his character of Levy. It's, it's beautiful. It's heartbreaking because again, you know that there was more for Shadowbook to do, but this is how, this is how you leave people this is how you leave a memory. This is how you leave your mark. And I just have 
so much reverence as I cross my arms for Wakanda forever. I have so much love and respect uh, for Chadwick Boseman and the many men and women, you know, black, white, or, you know, purple, whatever, that he will inspire through, you know, a, a short but a very powerful filmography that he has left uh, for people to study and be inspired from. Um, Viola Davis, uh, we obviously have to talk about Viola Davis, one of the best actresses on the planet. Um, if you've listened to the podcast for a decent amount of time, you know, I think Widows is a very underrated film. Uh, I, I Her and Fences, she damn sure deserved the Oscar that, uh, that she won uh, for that. Um, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I did watch a little how to uh, how to get away with murder. And Troop Zero is a lot of fun. If you've not seen that, that's on Amazon. That is well worth your time. But it's but it's such an incredibly well done film. And when you look at uh, George C. Wolf, who uh, directed the film, um, really mostly a play director, and to go ahead and step up and. Uh, Oh, he directed Knights Rodant or Rodanthe. That's funny, <laughs> but you, but you look at how this film came together and the the music, the music scenes with Viola Davis singing, like it all feels so jazzy, and the set design's incredible. And there's so much about this film to just pick apart and be inspired by. I mean, the score, the jazz score alone. Uh, the soundtrack is something I've listened to uh, a couple times. It's it's a great movie and something that you definitely should watch. It's on Netflix. Make time to watch it. So that's my number five. My number four, I actually wa- went to a uh, digital live screening of this film. And I was so happy I did because it's some of the most fun I've had in the last year. And really showed how incredibly uh, ballsy this uh this actor is uh my number four is borat's subsequent movie film i love sasha baron cohen uh when i think about who is america and the ali g show and even bruno which i don't like as much but sasha baron cohen one thing you have to say is he's fucking fearless he has no qualms no shame he will go literally at points balls out and have and and just do whatever he has to do to get a laugh and go ahead and just dig just a little deeper um everyone i'm sure has pretty much seen this movie at this point it's uh it's on amazon prime video if you have not seen it pause this right now and go watch borat's subsequent movie film but while sasha baron cohen is sasha baron cohen um it's not surprising that he's good in this the revelation of uh, Maria Baklava as his daughter, uh, Tuta, it's, so the process she had to go through to get hired alone was insane, but this, this woman is fearless, and I give her so much credit, I mean, she was in a room alone with Rudy Giuliani, that alone should get her a fucking medal, and, (laughs) fucking creepy bastard, but it, (laughs) But the movie itself, when you look at the fact he filmed this during during COVID, during the pandemic, and the fact that he went as deep into the trenches as he did, you know, going these Trump rallies, and, you know, the fact that he even said that, you know, he's done doing films like this because of how close things got to getting, you know, bad, 
I give Sasha Baron Cohen so much credit, and honestly, he owes us nothing. Between Borat and Borat's subsequent movie film and Who's America, that alone, you know, he, that alone is an incredible body of work. But if you look at uh, The Ali G Show in full, this is a great capper to that, and it's a great capper to you know, what he's done as far as a uh, comedic actor. I mean, I'm sure he'll be in other comedic stuff moving forward, but he just won't be Borat. And honestly, that's fine. But when you think about, <laughs> when I think about the uh, the dance that him and uh, Tutor did, uh, you've obviously seen that scene. When when I think about, you know, him trying to, uh, <laughs> him trying to raise money to go ahead and, get her to go to Mike, get her to go to Mike Pence and him dressing up as Trump. Like Sasha Baron Cohen just he was insane with it. And I give him again so much credit for having maybe the biggest set of balls in Hollywood to do some of the shit he's doing. But it's it's such an incredibly well done film. And it's insane, but in the best way. And yet it's an amazing father-daughter story, which, you know, go fucking figure <laughs> that this would be what is. But I absolutely, absolutely love the movie. So that's my number four. My number three is something that, especially given the, um, unfortunately, given the uh, terrible uh, tragedy of uh, Sarah Everard, this movie is more relevant than ever it's promising young woman it's my number three um carrie mul uh carrie mulligan let's just be clear and i i really don't think her name is brought up enough when you think about her you know in something like an education when you think about her in something like you know far from the uh from the madeline crowd um inside lewin davis you know great gatsby just name a couple She's an incredible fucking actress, and this is the best single performance she's given so far, and let's be clear, it's winning her an Oscar. I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying she'll win Best Actress, but she's winning Best Actress. Like, if there's one award I'm, I'd bet money on, it would be her winning Best Actress, because goddamn, you want to talk about her turn as, uh, as Cassandra, uh, Cassie, as she's called in the movie. She's incredible in this, and her and I and I I have to bring him up real quick just because I'm such a huge fan of his, and if I ever met him, I'd probably cry. Um, Bo Burnham is just special. He his brain is just wired in a way that I, I would love to I would love to sit down and talk to him for just twenty minutes. The man, the man is just incredible in the way his brain works. But this film is so incredibly tragic because it talks about, you know, the patriarchy that clearly still exists in our country. The fact that we live in a world where women aren't even afraid or afraid to even fucking walk home by themselves. You know, the whole, oh, we tell women to go ahead and carry pepper spray or carry a knife, but we never think about the concept of maybe we should tell men to not prey on women. That, 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 that would be a road we could go down, but we apparently fucking refuse to. There's a scene with with uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan and uh, Alfred Molina, and I won't spoil the scene, but that's one of the best scenes I've seen all year. It's so incredibly, incredibly well done. It's stylish. 
it opens up in a very important dialogue that needs to be talked about more, especially again with the tragedy that happened uh, here recently. Um, Laverne Cox, who is not being brought up enough, she is fucking excellent in this movie. And while she's not in the movie enough, I would love to see a movie with her and uh, Carrie Mulligan uh, working off each other again because their back and forth is just so charming and fun. And where this movie ends up, it's going to keep people talking. And if you have not seen this, you should. It's well worth your time. It's something that should be required viewing for uh, Women's History Month moving forward. Uh, it, it's, it really is something that is special, unique, and it is something that I would tell everyone. Not Again, not just women, but everyone, especially if you're a guy. Watch this movie. It is well worth your time. It is important for you to watch this. So that's my number three. <sighs> All right. Two more. So my number two, this was my number one. And let me just be clear. My top three, like I'm numbering my top three because I have to, but my top three, you could make an argument for any of them being number one. And I'll, and I'll kind of get into that here in a second. But my number two uh, features a directorial debut of Miss Regina King, who <sighs> we do not deserve Regina King. That woman is just special. And she directed a little movie called One Night Miami, which is my number two favorite film of this past year. When we look at uh, Kinsley Benadir, who played Malcolm X, uh, Ellie Gorey played uh, Muhammad Ali, Aldous Hodge, who, of course, you know from Leverage, who played Jim Brown. Leslie Odom Jr. played Sam Cooke. Four of the most prominent black figures in history, all sitting down together and hashing out some bullshit and really talking about the state of black affairs. Regina King, that alone is a great setup, but Regina King injects the film with this true bolt of energy that even when they're just sitting around talking or standing on a rooftop, the film feels epic and the night feels important and it never loses that sense of wonder, which is so impressive for a film that is uh, that is almost right. That's right under the two hour mark. Um, I don't think I think people may expect a different movie. I, I think some people might just expect it to just jump in and oh, they're all talking, but I really appreciate the groundwork that the film does before it just goes ahead and just gives you, you know, the whole conversation. Like it really does set up the pieces before they all jump into everything. And there are some incredibly powerful moments, whether it's the film's ending, which brought me to fucking tears when I watched it. Um, the first time I, I just, I could not stop genuinely weeping. Um, but my biggest concern was Malcolm X being this, because, again, when I think of Malcolm X portrayals, my brain obviously goes Denzel first. But the fact of the matter is, Kinsley Benadir was able to bring a different spin, his own spin to Malcolm, that I think works just as well as Denzel's does. And, I, and that was something I was not expecting. But. The score in this movie, while subtle at points, is incredibly important. The cinematography, again, it's stylish without 
being too stylish. It, it, it's it's stylish without feeling like it's it's trying to make up for a lack uh, or a shortcoming in the film. It really felt like the first time I saw Frost Nixon, where I went, "Okay, this is just a conversation," but these are these are four brothers who are hashing out some really important issues, but they all feel so grounded in their own truth and so convicted in their own truth. And I love the way that when things start to break down, especially without spoiling too much, but a conversation between uh, Sam Cooke and Malcolm X that I just was on the edge of my seat for, for how intense that got. It's such a well-done film. And especially as a person of color, it was something that just hit me in the spot that I went, wow, I love that movie. And I actually went back and watched it again just to make sure I loved it as much as I did. But it is an incredible film. And I will say, come Black History Month next year, that will be something I am definitely reviewing because this past Black History Month, unfortunately, things just didn't work out. But it is an incredibly well-done film and something that everyone needs to watch. So to run down my list at this point, my number 10, Tide, uh, Sound of Metal, and Yes, God, Yes at number 10. My number nine is A Secret Love. My number eight is Palm Springs. My number seven is Hamilton. My number six is Minari. My number five is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. My number four is Borat's subsequent movie film. My number three is Promising Young Woman. My number two is One Night in Miami. And my number one favorite film of this past year, it is a film that is directed by a relative uh, newcomer, which was surprising. But my number one favorite film this year is Judas and the Black Messiah, which is directed by uh, Shaka King, who, my God, just (sighs) this movie. And I don't want to talk too much about it because I do want to review it uh, in full. But when I think about a film that just angered me, (laughs) when I think about a film that not just angered me, but made me think and really made me go, wow, what, like, how is this, how is this okay? Like, how are people okay with how the world is? And it really just, (sighs) Daniel Kaluuya, or as I call him sometimes, because I always am afraid I'm getting his last name wrong, uh, Daniel Alcoholic Drink, um, when we talk about people who have necks, because when we think about, you know, Denzel, Morgan Freeman, incredible black actors, they are getting up there. So we think about, you know, the next generation who's, you know, who's got necks, as it were. Daniel Kaluuya is special. This brother is just absolutely fucking special. And hearing him and seeing him play Fred Hampton, I wasn't super familiar with Fred Hampton. I was aware of who he was, but really wasn't familiar with his story and the way that he is able to just capture Fred's anger and something that I always have said is you know when you're you know in your early 20s you're full of you know you're full of piss and vinegar everything pisses you off and Fred Hampton 
He is an incredibly angry individual, but he has a right to be as angry as he is. But what I love about the movie is it does not paint him as a saint. You see his flaws, and the movie doesn't try to hide them. It it lays out the fact that because he's so young, that he is putting you know members of the Black Panther Party in trouble, in danger. Uh, but you know that is youth. While youth has this incredible energy, it does lead to ignorance and arrogance sometimes as well. And Fred just doesn't have the tools yet to know, you know, for this party, this organized party, they could use some more organization. And I love the way that his youth does tie into that. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, speaking of another brother who's just absolutely fucking special, you know, you think about him in Atlanta, you think about him in uh, Short Term 12, in Selma, you know, in uh, something, uh, in you know, Sorry to Bother You, uh, in Knives Out, he's great in Knives Out, but uh, he is just one, uh, hell, Uncut Gems too, he, the way that him and Lakeith uh, work off each other, it's, it's such an, it's just a masterclass and seeing two actors who I don't think have even hit their prime yet. Like, I, I believe they both have room to prove, uh, improve and grow, but they just, they work so well off each other. It's so cool to see just how, how much they're able to go ahead and get out of each other. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, again, for really a, uh, you know, a first-time director with one of these uh, type films, uh, Shaka King does a hell of a job of making everything feel important. You you feel the weight of this film, and you feel the urgency as things do go ahead and ramp up. This is not a perfect film. We just get that out of the way. Uh, I mean, I don't think any, like, most films aren't, but what I love about this film in particular is that it shows, it does show the negative side of the Black Panther Party. It shows the fact that, you know, they there was some mafia shit. There are times where they would, you know, turn on their own because they were afraid that they were, you know, that they had leaks, that there were rats within the organization. And it, it really does kind of tear you up inside to see how they are fighting for just black people to not even excel, but to have a fucking seat at the fucking table. And I, I'm going to save... A lot of my outrage from my eventual review of this, but there is just some stuff that I went, man, this is this is fucking heartbreaking and really maddening to watch at points. Um, I have to give a quick shout out to to uh, Sean Bobbitt, who is the uh, cinematographer, because the way this is, this is shot, I love the way this is shot. Uh, I love the use of neon lights at points, and then genuine pure darkness when the movie is getting into darker moments there's just the way it's shot is so incredibly beautiful the but the cinematographer uh he's done a couple films i absolutely adore he did stronger with uh jake joan hall which is a very underrated movie in his filmography by the way uh as i mentioned earlier he was uh he was uh he was the uh director of photography on widows but the big one that I, I just think is amazing, he was the, uh, he worked in 12 Years a Slave. He was a cinematographer on uh, Kill the Messenger, that Jeremy Renner film back in 2014, which is a very underrated film. If you've not seen that, 
I would definitely recommend you do. And he also worked on the Queen of uh, of uh, Cotway, uh, the movie with uh, uh, Lupita and uh, you know David. Uh, uh, oh my god, I always remember. I always forget how to say his last name. Uh, Oye uh, Lobo is what I'll go with. Uh, he played MLK Jr. in Soma, but an absolute, absolutely great film. My only biggest complaint about the film is that you have Martin Sheen in it playing J. Edgar, and his makeup is just, it's weird. It's very pink. It's, it looks more like Oswald Cobblepot than, than J. Edgar, but that is a mild complaint about what I thought was the best film of 2020. Again, I know Tekken came out this year, but again, It'll get nominated for Oscars, so it technically counts. So that is my number one favorite film of 2020, Judas and the Black Messiah. It's uh, it's off of HBO, Na- uh, HBO Max by the time you listen to this, so you would have to pay 20 bucks to rent it. Well worth the $20. If you've not seen this, you should watch it on HBO Max first off, but if you have not seen this, watch it. It is well worth your time. But everyone... There we go. That's it. That is my my 10 through 1. That is my top 10 list of 2020. Uh, what were your favorite films of 2020? Let me know in the comments. I can't wait to hear what everyone thought were the best films of this past year. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at JHunterRealPineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at NearmanTheFirst. That's N-E-A-R-M-A-N, The First. And you can go ahead and like our gaming page on Facebook at Real Pineapple Games. Uh, I'll be streaming here in the near future, so just stay tuned to the page on that. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher and iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Tune Up at The Real Pineapple. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We will have reviews up soon. Uh, new reviews, including a review for Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I'm sure it won't be divisive at all. And we'll have a review up as well for uh, WandaVision, which I'm really excited to talk about, as well as the premiere episode for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I cannot wait to talk about that when that comes out on Friday. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe out there. Wear a mask, take care of each other, and we will talk to you soon.